Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at www.rocksolidministries.org. Again, that's rocksolidministries.org. Our guest today is Evangelist Guy Province of First Christian Church in Grindstone, Pennsylvania. Beth and I have been to Grindstone multiple times for revivals over the past 15 years. And though Guy was not the preacher when we held our first meeting here, he has been with the church for a number of years. And still, I don't know that much about him. So, Brother Guy, tell us your story. Oh, thank you, Tom. I don't know if that's a good thing you want to know everything about me. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Appreciate you guys. I appreciate the ministry. Um, thank you. I guess it was 14, maybe 15, we had the first revival with you all. And uh, we appreciate appreciate what you're doing, the ministry. Appreciate your sound Bible teaching. So. Well, I appreciate that. And I might mention that, that uh, the Grindstone Church is what we call a partner church that uh, some years ago came alongside and said, we want to be a part of this and help keep us on the road. Yeah, and uh, our guys uh, appreciate that, and we do. So it's uh, it's been a good relationship, and uh, we hope that that continues. Um, me, huh? Well, I'm a restoration baby, I guess you'd call it. I was born wow. in the restoration churches, and um, actually, I, my first ministry was at my dad's home church, which was my great grandparents. They were charter members of the Hopwood Christian Church in Hopwood, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. So. I was drugged a lot when I was a kid, you know. I was yeah. drugged to Sunday school. I was drugged <laughs> to church. Um, but no, Dad was an elder, and so um, really the only thing that I know uh, is restoration. Uh, of course, Bible college gives you a broad range of people's beliefs and so on. Right. Uh, but, yeah, uh, my, my great-grandparents were charter members up there. That would have been in 1890. That was back. Wow. You was, really go way back in that. Yeah. You know, that the church was founded in 1892. I read a little history on the Hopwood Church and what we call the Coal Region Ministries. Uh, it was the Disciple Church in Uniontown. Disciples of Christ denomination, yes. right? Yes. Back in, well, I mean, that was part of it. You know, Alexander sure. Camel. Um, then, then you started having the non instrumentals and the independent. Well, the independents didn't really come around. We voted in 1968, I think, Tom, uh, where. The mainline disciples were, there was a court battle and they were, you know, they had to give everybody a right. Do you want to be part of that group or do you want to be an independent right. Christian church, Church of Christ? And I think we voted unanimously uh, to be independent. But back in those days, yeah, they were kind of like a sister church of the uh, Uniontown Christian Church. And in this area, which is coal country, steel country, um, all these little patches around here were immigrant patches put up by the Carnegies and, and um, the Cochrans. Those would be the the money people that started the coal mines, uh, the Coke ovens, the steel mills. And so what would happen is that Uniontown was kind of the center, and then their evangelists would go out on Sunday afternoon and go from patch to patch. Interesting. Now, Patch, explain what you mean by a patch. patch. It's like a coal patch. It's a, a, okay. a company town. Right. Grindstone's a company town. Old town over here, you've got all these houses, they look alike. Right. Now, through the years, there's been a lot of development. Usually, there are one house and, and two people lived in it because you had a duplicate here and then on the other side. You see, I've learned all that traveling and coming up here and holding revivals and, and the Pittsburgh area because we are south and, and east south and east of Pittsburgh. 
And I've learned that, but from where I'm from, no one would understand what a patch is yeah. or an upper and lower uh, community name. For... And it's interesting because they were immigrants. Right. Um, you know, like there were sections even in a small patch here in Grindstone right. where you have Italian-speaking, and then maybe over here in Tower Hill or Rouse Run, that they might be um, Polish. Uh, and, and all of them would come in, so they would congregate in the patches based on their language. But what was interesting with the church is they'd have interpreters. You know, back in that day, E.E. E. Manley, um, again, Charles White, my great-grandfather, um, these guys would go around. Here's Grandma, my grandmother, born in 1901. She was a the music stay of the Hopwood Church. She's a piano player organist. But she'd get on that little wagon because they had a portable uh, organ. So they, you know, they head down the road and they stop at New Salem or Tower Hill or, or, or a different place along the way and have a wow. church service. Preacher would preach and someone interpret. And that's how throughout this community, these communities here, you have a big Church of Christ Christian church influence. Uh, some have gone the way of the disciples. Some are mainline independent. But that's the roots of the church here in western Pennsylvania. You see, that's, I love Restoration history. I've read all kinds of books on it because I did not grow up in the Restoration movement. Mm-hmm. But that I did not know. I did not know about the organ on the on the wagon and all. That's very interesting. I'll see if I can find a little history I wrote with some pictures and so on. I researched that great. and put together a little book. There's a great book, and our listeners, if they're interested in this type of thing, if you can find it, I read it recently, Christians on the Oregon Trail. And it's about people from the Christian Church of Church of Christ, Indiana, Illinois, particularly uh, taking the Oregon Trail and why we had so many of our congregations in Oregon. It was it was a great story, right. great story. Right. It is, it's really interesting. And as a young preacher, I go back, uh, maybe I'll jump ahead, but again, being a restoration guy, right. in my teen years, I got a little bit wayward, as a lot of kids in the 70s did, and ended up in the Navy. So that was kind of a recess there from, uh, I grew up in the Navy though. I spent almost six years there, but uh, again, uh, I was being sent sermon tapes. So every Sunday morning sermon, I got that in the mail eventually. And I, you know, when you're out to sea for months at a time, I'd listen to the messages, whether it be Bob Miller, Dick Chambers, um, Bob Chambers. We had a lot of good preaching ministers around here. So that kept me going. But when I got out of the service, that's interesting, in 85, I stayed in San Diego till late spring of 86, but then got on the phone and called Dad, and I said, Dad, I think I want to come home. Of course, my dad told me the same thing he told me when I left. You're going to come home and live in this house. You're going to live by my rules. And Good for dad, your dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dad, dad was, again, uh, he's the son of uh, Irene, who was that organ player I was talking about. Oh, okay. Uh, and, uh, again, her mother and dad were Charles and uh, Elizabeth White. Actually, the Sunday school class up there was called the Elizabeth White class. So as you can see, I've got a lot of roots in, in that church. But I come back, and um, at the time, our preacher was moving on to another ministry, and so they didn't hire a preacher right away. We started having the men of the church preach. And that went on for a couple of years, and I kind of just stepped up. Um, Kevin Yeager comes to town promoting Summit Theological Seminary. Right. And... Excited about it, so I mean, I, when I do something, I guess I jump in full. Uh, again, I think God was already preparing me for ministry, right. brought up in the church. Um, but I right away enrolled in Summit Theological, and uh, God turned that transition period after Dick Chambers left Hopwood, that I kind of was the, the main guy preaching for two years, 
and taking classes, correspondence. Of course, I had a lot of college credits from the Navy, and I went sure. to San Diego City College. Uh, I went to uh, UCLA Extension, so I had a lot of my core requirements done for it. Uh, we got into Bible college, but uh, um, that led into me becoming a full-time preacher at Hopwood, which was my home church, which was my dad's home church, which was the family church. You know, Let me well. back you up a little bit, too, because I don't know that Summit Theological Seminary has ever been brought up on one of our podcasts. Oh, where, okay. where is that? Summit Theological is in Peru, Indiana. All right. Um, they now have a campus, and uh, George Fall, who just passed yeah. away just several weeks ago, he uh, was the original president, um, and uh, that was always a drive. And that was kind of the drive because I stayed here from uh, 86 to 2001, married, raised a family at the Con- at the Hopwood Church, becoming the Connellsville Street Church of Christ. Um, and I had completed my master's, and uh, George talked me into coming out and taking the 20 requirements uh, to get a doctor's degree. So that was one of the main pools in Wabash, Indiana, was uh, an open church. So I took that church. I, I landed yeah. out there for 13 years um, before I come back here. Um, so that is Summit. Now, Summit has, I would go to the classes in the evening, but I'd say a majority of my credits is correspondence, sitting home listening to the tapes and doing the requirements, the readings, taking the tests. Uh, and I think probably a majority of the students in Summit are just that. Men okay. who are training to preach, they can take the materials straight into the classroom. And so it was something that I I went out with both feet. You know, so I know it's tough. I mean, I've been to both. I've been setting in college classes, and I've done correspondence. And I think correspondence is harder because you have to be self-disciplined. Right. You know, here's your material, here's your reading materials, here's your requirements, here's your paper, your writing, so on and so forth in the test. You know, and a lot of friends that who went to Bible college, they struggled then when they come out and had to try to maybe do a master's degree through school. Right. Because they're used to going to the classes. And uh, I had a call from a preacher in Philadelphia the other day. He goes, I can't believe that you went through your master's program so quick. I said, well, I didn't really think it was quick because I, I graduated with my bachelor's in 91. And in 98, I got I received my first master's. Uh, so that's not really that quick, seven years. Yeah. but. It is when you're holding down a, a full-time church. That's right. Raising a family and then at the same time doing the requirements to... to so you were... Uh, when you went to the, to, to Summit, mm-hmm. then that's when you moved to Wabash. No, I, I, I enrolled right when I got home from the service. Like oh, said, I'm sorry. There that's was right, that yeah. gap back in 85 and 87 that the church there didn't have a preacher and basically it was me. I'm, I have Actually, problems with chronological... I know I'm jumping around <laughs> here, but a bell went on... Uh, I said, I want to become a preacher. So I talked with Ed Bowsman, and uh, I was going down to Eastern thinking about, you know, I was young, not married, right out of the service, to going down and rowing in Eastern. I had a good talk with several older guys, and I went down there, and I was kind of disillusioned because at this time, I'm 25, 26, spent six years in the Navy. And I went down there, and that's a younger population. There weren't any, There wasn't anybody down there that was really going for a preaching degree. Nobody in the Timothy Club, nobody going around preaching in the area churches. And I talked to Ed about it. He goes, well, one thing's for certain. He told me, he said, Brother Guy, he says, you're already preaching, and I've heard you preach. You do a fine job. You know, is that really what you want to do? His, his thing was, you might go away to college, get sidetracked, and, and not become a preacher. You might do something else. That happens to a lot of men. Yes. It really does. I, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but sometimes young men or older men going to college with a fire— Fire in the belly, as we used to say, 
to preach the gospel, to win souls, and they get so involved trying to make a grade and everything else that they forget. Mm-hmm. And, and that fire gets put out right. rather than being uh, stoked. And, and it doesn't happen to everybody, but it does happen how, to some. back how God worked that out because, and again, yeah. it wasn't, maybe if I was 18 or 19 going off to a Bible right. college, I'm 26, I'm already preaching at the church. Right. I go down there and also went down there to preach at a church in Delmarva, and then I went on down to a youth. So I was asked to go down there and preach a trial sermon. When I come back, they had decided here, they said, hey, we got a good preacher. He's down there talking to another church. We need a preacher. <laughs> So I come home and my mom and dad says, hey, they want, to, want you to preach a trial sermon and hire you as the preacher. Well, I kind of busted my bubble because I thought I was going down to the coast. <laughs> um, but I did. And uh, that is my home church. And I ministered there for, for about uh, 15, 16 years. Uh, and during that time period is when I finished my master's. Okay. My, my regular bachelor's and my, then my master's. Right. I'm getting it together now, but I'm, after all the jumping I'm around. I'm probably jumping around. That's all right. I'm not that's used right. to being interviewed like this. That's time. all right. <laughs> my kids used to interview me every once Did they? Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, that, that, that was the route I took. And um, so I go out to uh, Wabash, Indiana, where uh, I was able to just drive 20 miles down the road and take the classes in the evening. So, I, you know, I got 13 of the 20 uh, uh, disciplines towards my uh, doctorate degree. And just because of life itself and situations, I put it all on hold. I looked at it as like, do I need another piece of paper on the wall? Yeah. As far, and, and, you know, and they're not credited because, you know, our Bible colleges, it's not the same as going to an accredited school, unfortunately. But I can tell you this. I'm confident that the Bible degrees you get from a place like Summit are as good or any for ministry because that's exactly what they deal with. Ministry issues, period. That's right. And really what is important, and I keep saying this, and I'm sure in some quarters folks wouldn't like it, but what is important is not is what is uh, recognized by the government, Mm -hmm. but what is recognized by the brotherhood, by by the people that you're going to preach to. Is this man ready? Has he he studied the scriptures? Mm -hmm. Is he committed to the scriptures? Not just studying, because I've known guys with doctrines who uh, are not at all committed to Scripture. And good men. I, I mean, a lot of good men who are. But the thing is, is this man trained? Is he ready? Is he committed? Is he going to stick with the Scriptures? Is he going to stick with the Word of God? And is he going to proclaim it uh, boldly? Right. And that's what people need uh, and that to is know. Important. And we, don't, we have a few colleges that do that. But a lot of these bigger colleges that I remember growing up, and I won't mention any names, now, they've gone liberal arts. I appreciate and, that, yeah. And as a result, you know, people go off to the Bible college and they come out of there with a sports degree or a business administration degree. And we're not seeing minister degrees coming out of a lot of these bigger colleges, right. you know, that used to be. Or, hey, that's a great college. Okay, so, uh, so anybody listening, if you want a good Bible-based degree... Uh, Summit Theological, Mid South Christian College, Mid South Christian College, where uh, they're they're training men for ministry. Yeah, that's what we need. Yeah, I uh, used to go to church camp with the idea to become Christian service, and not even a lot of our church camps. That's not the emphasis anymore. No. Let's go and have a good fun week. Let's go play basketball. Uh, let's go uh, on a wilderness camp, or uh, and as a result, we lose the emphasis of this pure week of Bible and prayer and worship. Oh, there's a lot of fun and games at camp, yeah. but it kind of got to the place where it's like, it's a week away. Well, you know, listeners to this podcast are going to get tired. In fact, they're probably tired of hearing me say this over and over again. 
but even Mid-South Christian College in Memphis turn out less preachers than they, than they do people in, who are good Christian people who are serving the Lord in, in other areas. But as our president of our college has said, Brother Larry Griffin, and I'm quoting him all the time, when people say, how many preachers you, are you turning out? He says, how many are you sending me? And that gets back to the Christian service camp, and that gets back to the local church. Are we even, are, are we having Timothy clubs in the church anymore? Uh, I know one young preacher is doing that in his church down in Mississippi and, and doing a real good job with it. But are we doing that? Are we as preachers looking out there saying to a young man, you know, have you ever thought about this? Mm-hmm. And give him a little bit of a turn. Like my grandfather said to our brother Greg from Rockstar Ministries when he was just a young man, uh, Greg, I've been praying about this. I want you to be my Timothy. And uh, Greg loves to tell the story. I said, okay, Brother Fred. He said, I was too young, didn't know what a Timothy was, but you didn't say no to Brother Fred. He is one mm-hmm. powerful evangelist. Mm-hmm. But we need to be doing that. We do. Uh, we do. There, there's a dilemma uh, in our brotherhood uh, having trained preachers. And can't stress it enough. And again, we can't blame one or the other. But I, I think somewhere along the line, the accreditedness that some of our smaller colleges strive for kind of hurts. And that particular college back in the mid-80s that I went to, it's no longer existence. Um, and, but I do remember went down and talked to him about the Timothy Club. Well, we don't have any preachers that are part of the Timothy. We have a Timothy Club, but nobody goes out. And So I saw what some of these older preachers said, that, guy, you're already in the pulpit. You're already studying. If you quit and go off and do that for four years, you may be completely directed in another way. Yeah. And I can see looking back... Now I guess I'm not a young preacher anymore. I'm up there. We're up there, Tom. We're getting up and we're the older no, boys. Uh, but I can see how God was working to get me into ministry. Anybody listening, I'd encourage anybody, if they want to be in the pulpit, uh, it's it's not that certification, but it's the Bible training that you would receive that you're going to practically take into the pulpit. The things I learned in Summit, I take right to the pulpit. I, write, I take right to ministry. I, I take right to counseling sessions. Marital counseling, family well, counseling. If you don't, if you don't mind this compliment right now, uh, you know I told you Sunday that on the way back over here from the mo- from the hotel for Sunday night, Greg and Beth and Lori and I were all talking about the Sunday school class you taught, and how great it was to be in a class with somebody who knew what he was talking about <laughs> and knew how to communicate it, and that we really enjoyed it. And we go into some really good classes with some good teachers, some good elders. And we go to some classes with guys who they got up this morning, they read over a lesson, and they don't really even know what they're talking about. They're just kind of quoting what they what they read. Mm-hmm. But uh, we could tell that you knew the scriptures, and that meant a lot to us as preachers and as preachers' wives, because preachers' wives can be the most critical people. Mm-hmm. And uh, they really enjoyed it too, so well, I, that'll you. make you feel real good. I appreciate <laughs> so, it. And again, it's all part of the training. Again, going all the way back to... I didn't know anything but restoration. Right. You know, and even my, as my dad is an elder and I'm growing up, that when uh, James Strauss and, and Ed Bowsman and uh, some of these big-name preachers would come to town and Earl Chambers, people I would consider, they stayed in our homes. You know, they ate at our tables. And uh, that, I, I can't overstate that, em- that emphasis on my life. Um, all the way through, you know, college, George Fall, uh, Terry Carter, some of these guys, uh, Sherwood Smith, uh, we could go on and on. Uh, of people that have taught us. And, and again, I don't take away from the accredited schools. I do remember I served as a chaplain for uh, seven years out in uh, Wabash when I was ministering out there. And um, 
had an idea maybe before I came back home going into maybe more of a full-time chaplaincy type ministry. But my master's degrees didn't count towards because it's not accredited. You see, I'm making a little apostrophes right. with my fingers. Right. <laughs> um, but I've talked to others that had those degrees and doctorate degrees, and I'm scratching my head. You know what I'm saying? It's right. Like, not to be. Uh, but I think it's important that in our churches that we have people that are trained in scriptures. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I've emphasized that, and I would highly recommend your, your, the school we, two schools we talked about right. here today. So. Well, there. So you you're out at Wabash. Yes. And then and then you came back here, yeah. or go somewhere else before that. Well. Well, things going on in my, my family's life. Okay, um, sure. Uh, and with Dad, uh, I was coming back here after uh, my ministry in Wabash, even before I had a church. But you know, there was only one Sunday that I wasn't in the pulpit somewhere. And that's something. Uh, I landed here. Uh, I was going up and doing an intern ministry up in um, Myersdale, Pennsylvania, and it was a long drive. It was 135 miles round trip to go up and help this little mountain church, and. Um, they had an issue here, and they called me and uh, said, uh, would you want to come over here and help us out? And I've been here ever since. So. <laughs> uh, so God works things out. So as a result, I'm able to be there with Mom and Dad. And you know, my dad's got some health issues, as you know, and, uh, with, the, with the Alzheimer's. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm, I came home with that reason, but as a result, God kept me in the pulpit and kept things going right. for me, as he always does. God provides and God uses it if we want to be used. And bless his heart, and people in situation like your dad, it's it's a full time job for your mom, and and for you with two of you, it's still a full time oh, job definitely. taking care of him. And and uh, it was good to see him though Sunday and yeah, see well, I'm, I'm hoping to have him here tonight. See him uh, uh, eat at dinner and had a good healthy appetite. Yeah. And, well, again, I, mom and dad, uh, you know, dad's been a faithful. You know, he's preached. He's been an elder for many years, deacon. Um, again, brought up in the Restoration Church as well. I mean, we. Uh, I, I was raised by good parents, and I think it has a bearing. And also, my brother's a minister in our churches. <laughs> Dave. Yeah. Now, now, where's Dave, he at? Dave's right down the road here in Monroeville. Okay. Uh, Monroeville Christian Church. Yeah, I'm proud of that, too, because Dave was part of our... When, when I first started preaching, we started taking our summit classes into our churches, and we were teaching uh, kind of as an extension of summit for anybody that would want to take anything for credit or whatever. And uh, Dave was one of the guys that was in our classes. And uh, Dave's been down in Monroeville 26, 27 years. Well, so, and how long have you been here at here, Gladstone? I came home in 14. Right. So what's that, six, seven years? Right. And we've been coming here 15 years. So I think yeah. it would be about, what, would that be about 2008? Okay. When seven, eight. 14 at the end right. of 14. So, uh, so the majority of our revivals we've done here have been with you. Probably, because uh, we this is our eighth for Beth and I, and I don't know how many times Greg and Lori have been on their own. Well, last year, due to what was happening and our they got lack of knowledge, we canceled in April. We probably could have had the meeting um, or had the guys in, but again, that, that didn't work out. But hopefully, we're over this and we're more educated on it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we everyone went through this trial period of saying, "Okay, if that's what they say, let's let's." Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll give this a try for 10 days well, or whatever you're saying. And then they say, well, no, you're going to go on and on. And that's why well, it gotta... was being betrayed that you have to. In Pennsylvania. Then I go to family counseling. Yeah, in Pennsylvania. No, our state Supreme Court ruled that nobody can dictate to us. That's that. Those are suggestions. 
Right. But again, I'm not belittling any of that. We've done everything that we feel we, we need to do. I mean, basically, what you do anytime there's a flu season. And, right. Uh, but we're getting through this, you know what I mean? And, and some people don't respond to it like others. And so we just pray that this thing can level itself out. But one thing's for certain, brother, God's still in control. Right. And God's going to work out his will through all this. And... Um, I thought it was interesting that the, the church, though, it decided for just a very brief period to close on Sunday here that one of your men in your church opened up his garage mm-hmm. and said, nah, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. There was only yeah. one Sunday that we didn't meet like that, but we all took communion. But then we started meeting in the garage setting. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, anybody could have come. But uh, right. then we found out, I was like, we don't have to do this. Right. And so... We took the precautions. And well, we've never, in our generation, we've never been confronted with this. So many people didn't know what to do. And I respect that elders and preachers were scrambling, saying, how do we respond? And they never thought we'd be told, shut down. Now, in my mind, I've always been an evangelist. I like, shut down? No, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. That's just me. But I do understand everybody's different, and everybody's approaching from different perspective and that decisions were made sometimes in haste without even thinking but other decisions were made after a group of men got together and they prayed about it and they said all right we'll try this and see and some of them said all right we tried it for one week and no all right we that was not right, right. and uh, others went on for months and months and months and and still going on that way and and you know because you heard me preaching here on Elijah you know how I feel about that. I'm right uh, there with you, brother. Yeah, the, <laughs> no, uh, we don't close down. And I, I've had friends that their churches never closed down. Right. Uh, I, I like to believe that if I was still in the local pulpit, that's how it would be. But I also have to deal with three, four, five, six, eight other men mm-hmm. who help make those decisions. And all of them are coming from a different life perspective and a different level of faith. Mm-hmm. And you've got to deal with that. Uh it's like my wife says, uh, people used to say when we lived in a parsonage, well, if that sink needs to be fixed or you need to fix that countertop in your kitchen, uh, just, you know, the church will take care of that. And she always answered, uh, you know how hard it is to get your husband to do one job around the house? Try getting five men to make a decision right. <laughs> and do that. Right. So I, 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 I'm respectful of that. I really am. But... I'm with you. Yeah. Never should happen. Yeah. Not not in the and United how, States of America. we learn from it. And again, yeah. here in our state, it was, you know, by late May, he's saying, I never said that. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Uh, again, trying to cover, and, and I think that changed perspectives a lot of people. Uh, but again, it's, it is. It is what it is, and hopefully we can move on from it. One thing's for certain, you know, all of hell is going to come against the gates of the kingdom and ain't going to win. Right. Right. So... Uh, we learn from that, and I think we will be stronger per se. I would, I would even turn that around uh, and, and say that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, that, that uh, we're not waiting for hell to come up against the church. Church is supposed to storm the gates of hell. That's right. And right now, a lot of our church can't do that. They're hiding under their pews. Right. And uh, our, some of them won't even come to church to hide under their pews. They're going <laughs> to the church house. Yeah. So the thing is, brother, and you agree with me, I mean, we miss church so much that now we don't miss church. Yeah. You know, 
Hebrews talks about attendance being a habit. You know, we're creatures of habit. You do something just as much as someone miss. If people that are in church all the time, if you miss a Sunday, you feel really bad if something happens that you can't go to church, even if it's illness. Right. Um, I wouldn't want to put it to the test to miss bunches and bunches and bunches of Sundays because now, starting back up, churches are going to lose people. Well, they already have. We already have. And we'll probably some of those will never come back. And well, we lost them. We, we lost them the first Sunday. The first Sunday churches closed down. They lost Sunday. They'll never get back. Right. And, and, I, and this is just not here. It's everywhere. I talk right. to preachers and you travel. Absolutely. So you sure. Know. Um, but, you know, all of you around that the church is going to survive this. But it's sad because church has is a habit. Like anything, if you do something over and over and over again, it becomes a habit of yours. Right. And it's so easy for people to not be in a habit. And right. that's a sad thing. But you know what? It's always been that way. Yeah. Right? And uh, I think it always will be. So we just have to remain faithful and, and pray that God's will be done. And I think it is be, It is happening. And, um, you know, we're continuing to do what we need to do. And um, God will bless that. God, God will honor that. I don't know. Did we get sidetracked, brother? No. I think <laughs> it's, it's, you know, just a good discussion. That's yeah. right. We were talking about life and so on. But, you know, I've, I've ministered my whole life. And... Uh, uh, you know, hopefully I can do that till the day I die. Uh, someone asked me the other day, am I ever going to retire? I said, I don't think preachers retire. We retread if we have to, but we That's don't right. have to retire. <laughs> Not unless there's a uh, some physical right. or mental thing that, that takes us down. Right. I, I don't. But even then, maybe not have a located job, but you're still you're still a minister. Yeah, you're, you're still, still a minister, and, and you're still out there doing the Lord's work. Right. And and uh, I know most preachers I know that say they've retired. Uh, rarely have a free Sunday. Right. They're they're almost always in a pulpit somewhere, helping out a church that's with, exactly. between preachers or the preachers on a vacation or trip or a family emergency or whatever it is. Um, exactly. So, tell us about your current ministry. Well, you kind of told us about current ministry, what you've been through in the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is going on here? Is there anything particularly that you're you're gearing up for now that things are starting to turn around in the country, or that they seem to be. Anything you're gearing up for here as far as outreach or are your your very small community? Yeah, in a small group. We uh, one of the things that's really affected us is the kids, and of course with this pandemic, it's kids are the least in any kind of a. a what would you call it, danger. Right. They're, they're the least danger group when it comes. And that's true of any illness because kids get things all day long and fight it back. So when we had built up our uh, our youth group, we'd have junior church and up would jump 15, 16 kids. I think there was one here on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and again, uh, I, I don't want to play that, you know, be critical, uh, but that's something that's very important that Myself and the men know we have to try to work on getting the you know the junior church back, our daily vacation Bible school programs back, uh, taking kids to camp. Um, my brother in Monroeville, they run their own church camp. We ran a state park, and we, we've had done that since the 90s. Oh, okay. And uh, usually we're able to take uh, six to eight of our kids up to the to the week. Uh, we're in one place, and we do all age groups. You know, there's 80 or 90 kids up there, but, you know, you have third graders and you have seniors. You know, they right. sleep in different places and so on. Um, but that's the thing we got to now work real hard to get back. We're planning a church camp this year, um, you know, with all the state stipulations and letting people know that, you know, there'll be times we want them to mask up and stuff like that. 
But, and I think this is just not here, but all churches need to be concerned with our youth. You know, we're only one generation away from extinction, so that has been a topic, that has been a prayer concern, and something that we've been discussing here uh, to get our kids back, you know, and uh, we're hoping that, uh, well, we know it will happen, but we're hoping sooner than later. Right. So that's that's Um, one of your greater challenges right now. That's a challenge right now, and you know, and, and it makes a difference. I mean, we're getting our attendance back up, but just those families with kids or grandparents that brought kids, it's not happening. And again, they're in the secular world where some of them aren't going to school. You know, they can stay home on their computers and um, so on and so forth. So that, that's a challenge, and it's not one we're going to turn away from. It's going we're going to work on getting getting yeah. our kids back because that was always something. You know, this is a smaller of the three churches I've ministered at, yeah, but we always had a nice size youth group. You know, yeah. we started up the Bible school, and I think that first year we had thirty five kids. And, um, you know, for a small patch, right. <laughs> like here in Grindstone, uh, that's good. Uh, this church has always had, in my memory, at least in our coming here, has always had good attendance at revivals, sometimes a, a full house. I remember one time standing on the porch and watching that the parking lot, both parking lots were full, and people were walking from town. Here. Yeah, right here. Mm-hmm. Though that's not happening this year. But right. we're you're in a rebuilding because of all that's happened. And and uh, and we were doing well, Tom. I mean, they always say a preacher's first year they idolize him, second year they start to criticize him a little bit, third year they pulverize him. But no, we, we had a nice growth spurt, and uh, so much so that we added parking, and because um, you know there's people, everybody that came didn't have a place to park. They were trying to park up and down the road. Nobody wants to leave their car on the road. Not not here. No, it's so, pretty narrow know, roads. We added uh, yeah. about ten or twelve uh, parking spots back there. And, you know, all that devil, he'll get his nose in there, won't he? You know, yeah. all this is, you know, that that's something that it has affected. And, again, we know it's not just here. Right. Um, some churches, uh, we're, we're, we have an older congregation that aren't as computer literate as some. And so, you know, a lot of people say, well, go online, preach your sermons online. Well, we didn't have the capabilities, and if we did, no one would listen because there was only one or two people on a computer at this time. Right. Um but I do know churches where they've done it, where now it's hard. They're having a real rough time getting them back. So I can just yeah. sit home and listen to it on my computer. Right. So that's something that, you know, we all need to work towards because it's important that we fellowship one with another. There's yeah. a reason that we're told not to forsake the, the assembly. assembly. Exactly. And the assembly is not on your smart TV. No. The assembly is where you reach out and you t- people need to be able to shake a hand. Uh I, I tell the story about, since all this happened, about mentioning in one of the churches that I will shake your hand if you approach me. I will bump elbows or bump fists if that's what you want to do. If you want a hug, with or without a mask, you let me know and I will give you a hug because that's what I'm to do as a Christian. Mm-hmm. And a little old lady came up to me and she said, Brother Tom, I want a hug. Mm-hmm. And she said, nobody has touched me in months, yeah. and I need a hug. And every night we hugged, every exactly. night. And, and it is important. And you know, as in John talks about, it, if we have fellowship, one of the, it, it, it relates to fellowship and forgiveness. Yeah. In First John there. And, uh, you know, we're getting this idea that, well, you know, I was on my way to the fishing hole, or I was up going up to the mountain, but I, I listened to that sermon online. I don't think that replaces what God intended. No. We're to meet together to break bread. Now, I'm glad we've got these these opportunities. Oh, sure. And I'm, I'm glad for the online because uh, some small churches, they're really projecting their the, the word of God all over the world. 
and and uh, reaching more people than they would have there. But they still have to deal with that situation you're talking about. Yeah, we, we as a brotherhood need to be careful, I think. Yeah. Because, you know, it's real easy that, you know, 30, 40% of Restoration Christians, well, you know, I'm getting what I need. I have my home communion kit, and I'm listening. And again, once you're out of the habit of doing something, you broke it. That's right. And uh, so... I'm speaking out loud. That's a concern of mine. I see things improving, uh, but we want to get it back better than it was before. Right. Um, I know as we do that, there's forces that are working so that it doesn't happen. So it's a battle, and uh, you know we always have to be aware of that. And the battle is really Tom over our souls. It is. It's uh, a, it's not a physical battle, no. and, and going on in this country or all around the world, but more than we've ever seen it in this country. If you've got eyes to see, you can see this is a spiritual battle exactly. for the soul of America. And and we're going to have to step up to the plate. This is not the time to retreat. Well, you mentioned that, I don't know if it was last night or yesterday, probably both, but this idea that it's about me. Yeah. And it's really not. You know, our faith, it's not about me. It's about God. And, and I prefer to live by faith, not fear. So. I've been right. like that through it all. Uh, and again, I'm not being critical of anybody and people with health concerns, but, you know, the Bible says we've been saved from a spirit of fear. You know, we've been saved to a power. The power is Christ, and Christ is going to protect us, brother. I believe that. Uh, I've been sick many times in my life. I've had surgeries. I've had organs removed from my body. I've had uh, things like that happen. But again, what would profit a man if I gained the whole world? Right, forfeit my soul. You realize you're 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 preaching my Wednesday night sermon just about right. I didn't know that. <laughs> Preach on, right? Well, tell us what are what are some of your greatest joys in your years in ministry? I've had a lot. Like I said, you know, there have been times. I mean, we were rebellious. I brought up in the Restoration Church, and you know, you try to get pulled away, but God has always had a plan for me. Like I said, for the last 33 years, I don't think I've been out of the pulpit, but maybe one Sunday. Yeah. And that was even a period of time when I didn't have a located church. Because uh, God's worked in my life, and uh, that's been a joy. Um, uh, I've only been in three located ministries. I've also had a, a pretty extensive chaplaincy uh, out there in Indiana as well. Um, but it's all joy to serve God, you know, yeah. those are the eternal things. Those are the real things. I mean, Hey, we all have this life and everything in it, but I'm looking for a place. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker's God, right, Tom? I mean, That's right. Uh, there's coming a time. God wanted to come right today or take me today. I'm ready. Yeah. You know, but I also know that God's not done with me yet. And, and so that's a joy too, you know, as we get older and so on. Uh, God needs us, and he needs more people who want to do the things we're doing. Yeah. And again, I see that as a real great need to see more and more men come into the ministry. Um, again, as we look around, that's one of the biggest things. The church preacher gets sick, and it's hard to find a, a, a filling. It is. And uh, this isn't just here or there. It's everywhere. And, and so it's a joy to be part of that. It's a joy to be part of the kingdom and, and uh, work with people and help people. Um, so I would say that's probably the biggest joy. You know, sometimes I think preachers uh, get to be moaning the fact of the struggles they have and the battles that they have to deal with. Um, we knew that we were going to have battles with the world, but we didn't realize we were going to have battles sometimes even within the local body of believers. And 
my feeling is, you know, you're going to have battles in anything you do in your life. Any area of life, you're going to have battles. And uh, this is just particular battles that the local preacher has to deal with or the evangelist. And and, uh, the difference is that we have that power. We have that strength of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And if we try to get through these battles on our own, we will fail like anyone in the world would fail. We have to go back and rely on God. We have to go back and realize every time that there is a reason I'm going through this. It may be because I'm going to have something more difficult in this same type of situation years down the line, and God is training me here, bringing me through the fire here so I can handle the fire there. We, we just don't know, but let's just thank God that uh, I know I do, that he's brought me into the ministry of Jesus Christ, of the gospel of Christ, and and uh, I'm just grateful for that. It sounds like you are too. Yeah. 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 Again, there were times in my life that I, 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 I think I tried to run from it, but you know, I was behind the pulpit at 12, you know, mm-hmm. brought up in the church. I remember bringing the cinder block, putting it behind the pulpit so I could stand up on it so they could see me over the top of the pulpit. Oh, my. And, uh, you know, we've had people that have encouraged that, and uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that they, they people saw a need to instill that in young men. And um, I hope we can instill that in the next generation. We need to. You, you hit on something there that uh, one of our podcasts with John Boutte that was listed as just a servant, John Boutte, okay. down in southeast Texas, said told about it being raised in the church there and how the elders would say uh, to the boys, come on, we're going to go calling. And they take them calling. If one of them said, I'd like to try to preach, they put them up there. It didn't matter what age. And he said, they take us calling and we visit the sick, whatever. And they look at us and they'd say, now boys, this is church. Hmm. And he, and uh, John's not a young fellow. He's like us, mm-hmm. but that's how he was raised. And he's always served the Lord that way. And the church came open and needed someone to preach. And he just stepped up and preached for a number of years there. But I think what you're saying is what John was saying. I encourage our listeners to go back and find that podcast with John Boutte. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful one. Mm-hmm. It's a sweet podcast, but we have got to start looking to the young people and even the young men who are in their 20s and 30s in church and saying, I want you to go call on me. I want to show you what this is about. And we may find some of those guys uh, put a fire in them. Exactly. Yeah. And we sure need to. You yeah. know, it's uh, uh, that climate. Again, I think as I started as a young man to now, we see why a lot of the things that brought us into the ministry they just aren't, aren't there anymore. Right. So it's up to us. The local church needs to produce these people. Right. And uh, not rely on some institution somewhere to do it. Or uh, It's our job. Right. Yeah. Is it, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no. I appreciate you having me here today. I hope I hope this is what you were looking for. It's, it's, I'm it's, looking forward to tonight. You're going to preach a word for us yeah, tomorrow I, night, Wednesday night. I'm looking forward to it. Always glad to be here. And, yeah. And uh, blessed this week to have uh, the Stricklands with us because exactly. of a cancellation that they had. Yeah, uh, I got that call. Is it, is it okay if I come? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> well, I didn't have to I'm sing either. Yeah. So, well, your singing is pretty good, brother. Well, I, I, I always it, enjoy it. It's nice that I can take yeah. a week and, and listen. And, well, thanks uh, for taking time. And and, okay. uh, and we got we got lunch at at one of our friends' home here well, a little bit. Quit if there's lunch. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a good lunch. Always a good lunch there uh, yeah. with uh, Lee and Kathy. So. Uh, thanks for taking time though and well, getting here with me and, and sharing and, and I hope uh, our listeners if this has been an encouragement to you that you'll share it with your friends and co-workers in Christ and until next time this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you 
Like a Mississippi rain. Amen.